Hey, welcome back. It's your boy Six Pack Lapidat. Uh, this week we got Matt Goldsmith from uh, the Canadian Coaching Staff. Thanks for joining us, Matt. No problem. And um, we got today Canada's golden boy, Eric Willis. And this was Canada, even though we're pretty much a powerlifting nation, yeah. we're always, in terms of team points, we're right up there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the last, what did we finish off? I don't know if you know if that was second. Consistently second, yeah. Wow, really? Mm -hmm. um, so the number two nation in the world, but fun fact, never had a fucking open world champion. No, never. For, forever. Yeah. Which is kind of weird, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is weird when you think like number two consistently, all these other nations that we'd be beating out in terms yeah. of team points, but uh, a lot of them have had world champions just in the open class we yeah. just never had. Exactly. And um, of all people, out of nowhere, on home soil, <laughs> Eric Willis yeah. with, with the big gold medal win. Uh, and it was dramatic too. Not only was the first time we had a Canadian Open World Champion was in Canada, which is cool, but it literally came down to the very last deadlift yeah. and he won on body weight. Yeah, exactly. Because they tied with 900 kilo even. Couple things happened, uh, we were talking that day. Um, sometimes some things go your way. Yeah, And exactly. uh, we had three bottom outs. Yeah. Two of them were contenders, you were saying. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I mean, Eric may or may not have beat him anyways, but it, it helps when they don't make exactly. it to the finish line. <laughs> right? And then, of course, our, the gentleman from the Ivory Coast, who opened with 350. Yeah. Knocked himself out the first one, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. 350 at 771 pounds. Went over his head. And, um, I mean, there's a reason why in MMA you're not allowed to hit the back yeah. of the head. Boxing, you can't hit in the back of the yeah. head. He took 350 kilos uh, over over his fucking head, and there's no way he didn't smack the back of his head and rattle him. Oh yeah. And um and basically after that was walking out. He looked like a fighter. Oh yeah. Coming out of like for round two when he just got knocked out in round yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. And um very dramatically in the third, I think it was the third attempt. Yeah. Where he walked out, sat down. Yeah. And literally just closed Wasn't his eyes. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just took a nap. <laughs> it was like. When he came out for the third one, it was like, holy shit, yeah. I can't believe you're back here. So, and I know all the spotters are like, let's get that. Yeah. Let's stay, let's stay <laughs> with him. Definitely stay with him. But, um, and you, you were handling Eric for this one, yes. not? Yes, we were. Were you, what were, you guys, were you guys watching that whole fiasco? Yeah, so we actually saw that happen. So what actually happened is, um, and this is, I'd say, probably mostly a coaching issue, is they did their last warm-up after the change deadline. So he did 300 kilos after the change deadline, and he actually missed it. He missed 300 kilos, yeah. and then had to go up to 350 because they didn't change it. They didn't. Cap they weren't allowed to. The <laughs> thing is, like, Evie, so, so, I mean, that's <laughs> fucking discouraging. Yes. <laughs> if you miss 300, you know, you good for 350, champ? Because oh. you need to get a lot stronger real quick. But um, not only is that discouraging, but, like, even a, f a 50 kilo jump yeah. sounds fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, even if you hit 300 kilos, but you, 350 kilos, is that not, what's the world record? Because that oh. was like. It's that, Dennis's, so it's almost 400, 380, 385. Like, that 350 opener yeah. is heavier than what everybody else finished with. Yeah, exactly. So, what the fuck was the plan? Yeah. Do you think they meant 350? Or do you think they meant 305? See, yeah, because that could be, that could be it. They could have been like trying to do something sneaky where they changed like their attempts, but then didn't have someone watching the clock. We don't know. It's a pretty integral part if you're trying to play that game. Holy fuck! <laughs> yeah, that's an integral 
these guys move off with their heads, put in 350 for an opener, and then the tie comes and goes to switch it up. And they're like, yo, dog, joke's on you. You, pl you played yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Holy shit, that would suck. If, if your coach comes back, it's like, Okay, well, good news, uh, news yeah. and We fuck with these guys. <laughs> Everyone thinks we're opening with 350. It's bad news. We are. <laughs> we really are. I lost track of time. How the fuck you lose track of time? This is all we're doing. Yeah. Is powerlifting. What are you fucking doing besides that? I was playing online poker. Yeah, got caught out. Like, holy shit. Or, or was it like 305 kilo yeah. and, and the guy fucked up? Yeah. Dyslexia moment. Yeah. And oh my god. No. Because yeah. remember we were joking around about how everybody in the back is like, like, and this is true. Everyone yeah. in the back was like, holy the, fuck, yeah, somebody's opening with three fifty. Yeah. They're gonna end up where? Yeah. God knows. Exactly. So everyone back, like everyone was yeah. talking about me. I'm talking yeah. with Eric and yourself, being like, holy shit, What's that's that gotta be so. Yeah, yeah, that's equip numbers. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if the dude from the Ivory Coast is like, where? Somebody's open with 350? <laughs> not knowing. Yeah. Dude, that's you. That's you, man. You're the guy oh, yeah. who's about to get knocked down with 350 because he thinks he's opening with 305. Yeah, exactly. He'd be like, who's that crazy son of a bitch? Wow. And then he looks in the scorecard. Oh, Holy me. shit. Game changer. But, um, and fuck, man, he immediately turned into like, like social media famous. Oh yeah, because that shit was getting shared. Like oh crazy. God, yeah. But I've never seen somebody like he. He walked out. I'm trying not to laugh at yeah. this guy's, but he walked out at 350 and like a knife through butter. Yeah. This thing crumpled him up like a fucking like oh, a college yeah. kid in a beer can. Yeah. Just fucking that done with that yeah. and tossed it aside. <laughs> like he offered almost no resistance. Yeah. Almost no resistance. It wasn't even a negative. No. It wasn't even. Down. It was just fight this fucker on the way down. It was just. He almost couldn't walk it out. Yeah. But no. walking in was stumbling. It was like a whole. And he only had tennis shoes on too. He didn't even have shoes. He, he really had chucks. He had tennis shoes. Fuck me. And I remember him coming out and he yeah. appeared wobbly. Yeah. And his team was like pushing him. Yeah. Out. So yeah, let's get out there. I think um, I think Joanna Reber from yeah. the Canadian team. Yeah. Who's also a paramedic. Yeah. I could be totally making all this up, but I'm pretty sure. And anyways, I think she went back and yes. someone said, and she was like, "Don't do it." Yeah. And his coach was like, "You gonna listen to me? You gonna listen to her?" Yeah. And he was like. Like, like, fuck, I yeah. guess I'm going back up. That's pretty brave for the handler yeah, exactly. to be like that. Yeah. What were you guys thinking backstage when you were watching this happen? Like, like, did you, were you guys, I guess you kind of got a job at hand. Yeah. You also got the interest of. Yeah, so, yeah, we were kind of, like, watching, like, seeing what was going down. Um, we honestly just assumed, like, after he got stapled and went over his head. <laughs> and so we actually told them the jury that he had missed his 300 warm-up like on strength yeah so we just kind of assumed they were going to say okay like you're not going out yeah like we're not breaking all these spotters here and then so they didn't and he just kept going out so we just oh, kind of watched it happen i know it's <laughs> like holy shit man it would take it would literally take a miracle oh yeah like, there's like absolutely hit zero chance of yeah. doing that no yeah zero especially on the third one yeah getting knocked out <laughs> nice through butter on the second one yeah and then the first one was like like seriously, no. He, he yeah. was out like a yeah. fucking light back there. Yeah. When they, when, they, when they, um. So afterwards, I do a wrap up. Yeah. Uh, like before, well, you know, because yeah. you, you've done exactly. a bunch of commentating with me. But so before and after these events. Yeah. Um. You know, they they, they swing the camera to me. Yeah. And I do the wow, that was a great action. You know, we'll be back <laughs> and whatever. 
when they swung the camera to me this time, yeah. homie was still on the fuck knocked out on yeah, the platform. Yeah, he's the last one. Yeah. <laughs> it was like I was an expression on my face like yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, just trying to be cool. But anyways, <laughs> moving right along, and they're like, just be cool. And I'm like, what? Fuck? Is this guy dead? Like, I'm like, what's going on? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh shit, man! It's not often you see that. I felt like I was a fucking MMA commentator. Yeah. And someone got laid out in the cage. Yeah. But uh, but anyways, so yeah. Back to our boy, Eric Willis, huge win. I remember the place was fucking rocking. Yeah. It was like a rock concert. Yeah. Everybody was like, I remember as he walked up to the last deadlift, thinking like, like and saying on yeah. the mic as the commentator, this could be it. Yeah. This could finally be it. Yeah. It could be happening. Right here in Canada, yeah. home soil, all the, like, it's like the stars align. Obviously, Dennis Cornelius, the yeah. 120 kilo kingpin before that. Yeah. And this is the year he doesn't show up. Exactly. And it's the year that's in Canada. Yeah. You know, we had some like... You, you need this kind of thing in sports. Yeah. When upsets happen, exactly, the stars align. It's like this yeah. is this is your fucking yeah. time, you know. So, um, did you guys have that feeling too? Because you had actually said, yeah. I give you kudos right now. Yeah, you said of all the people. Yeah, and we were talking before in the pre. Yeah. in the pregame um, with uh, Matt Gary. Yeah, we were picking and we we're like, could this be the year Canada gets a world champion? And you said, I'll tell you what, yeah. anyone's gonna do it. It's Eric Willis. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so, what, what, why did you think that? So we had, you know, the good thing about Eric is we, he's a known commodity to us as Canadian coaches, which is nice. And we have a pretty good relationship with his personal coach as well. So we had a pretty good understanding of actually where he was as far as his numbers going. And then with that also kind of with our scouting, we knew, okay, we knew what everyone else roughly was going to do, obviously for a couple of these other countries it's a little bit harder to scout. But for the most part, we knew we were probably, you know, 10, 15 kilos between, like, you know, the top three places. Mm -hmm. And we could, we were in there somewhere. And all we had to do is just let us have a good day and let everybody else have a bad day. And we just slip and slide right in. Yeah. And, I mean, as it turns out, like, it was a tight race. Yes. 900 kilo even at the top. Yeah. Less than one Wilkes point separates him from the silver who lost on body weight. Yeah. We're talking like fucking very small body weight even then, less than a kilo. So it's an extremely tight race, but uh, just made it more exciting. Exactly. Makes it a better story. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's give our boy a ring. We left him waiting long enough. Right. So we have live with us right now, 120 kilo world champion. The champ is here. Eric Willis, uh, Canada's golden boy. And um, Eric, how did it feel to win the world championships, IPF, in Canada, the first Canadian, men or women, to win a world title in the Open? It, it was pretty, uh, pretty surreal experience. I mean, going into it, I always felt I had chance because the, uh, the two big lifters weren't there, so it was a perfect opportunity to like, swoop in and uh, take the title. So, but it was... Game, game day was, uh, everything went perfectly without a hitch. Yeah. The coaching was great. Execution of the list was great. Repping was, was good. Solid. Yeah. Um, I'm walking into this, Matt had said, and we like, Canada's been consistently, uh, you know, number two in the world behind only U.S. And, like, such a solid team, whether it's juniors, open, masters, Canada is like a powerhouse in powerlifting. But um, for some reason, never won the big one. Either men or women's, which is crazy when we think of how many points we accumulate. So consistent across the board with our placings, um, constantly getting medals, 
but never getting a gold medal and having a world champion in the Open. And when we did our preview show with Matt Gary, um, we were all kind of like making our predictions and um, we're like, could this be the year? The world championships is in Canada and could this be the year we finally get a world champion? And Matt said, I tell you what, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Eric Willis. Did you, did you like your chances? Uh, yeah, I mean, I felt uh, pretty, pretty good going into it uh, based on the nominations. Um, then the highest nominated photo was 890, I think was the highest one. Yeah. But that was, um, I knew Amandus had a higher total from uh, last year's Worlds. Yeah. And I knew my total was higher than my nomination total. So based on that and what I was projecting, I, I felt dependent. If everyone else stayed the same, there was a really good chance that I could come up, come up, uh, come up on top. So going in, I felt good. It just, and things happen on, on game day. and Some people perform, some people don't. Yeah. So. Yeah, you felt confident enough, though. So, like, because the big thing is there's so much hype <clears throat> leading into some of these showdowns. And, um, I mean, I mean, obviously, you would crunch the numbers to yeah. look at some of the scouting. And sometimes the stars just line up. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, and the door was swung wide open. Obviously, Dennis Cornelius <clears throat> wasn't there. And I don't know. I think, I believe Dennis said he's coming back. I think so. I think he's doing USAPL Nationals, so. Yeah, I think he's doing a uh, raw and equipped. Yeah. No, uh, he's coming here, yeah. So I don't know what his plan is for uh, Worlds, or if he's like gearing up to make a run for the World Games in whatever year that is. Um, so I'm not, I'm not exactly sure what his international meet plans are, but uh, he is doing uh, both raw and equipped yeah. USAPL Nationals. So. Wowzers. Well, he hit, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he have like a thousand kilo total? Yeah. Yeah, just yeah he was like a, a thousand kilos at like 130, 135. I forget exactly his exact body weight, but he was uh, was a bit heavier. I know he doesn't like cutting at all, so. Yeah, he hates it. He might be taking a run at, uh, run at Ray. Yeah, what if he, he might actually not even return to 120 for all mm -hmm. we know, because he's always flirted with going super heavyweight. Yeah. He said like, it's like a boxer who, like, obviously the heavyweight champion of the world in any sport, there's weight classes. Yeah. Like, that means you're the strongest, yeah. right? And he always wants, he says, like, I want to be the number one guy, period. Yeah. Absolute strength. So he might, that might be it for him. Mm -hmm. That might be the last time we've seen him. I wonder what would happen if he does try to make a run at Ray. Would it be possible? But who uh, <laughs> oh, a thousand weighing 138, so maybe like two, like, two, three years, yeah. he puts on some solid body weight and you can definitely take a swing at Ray. Yeah, and and how much water do you have to cut? Do you make 120 comfortably? Uh, it depends on the, depends on the, like, the meat. Sometimes I've been up as high as, uh, like, 127, so I started dieting a few weeks, a few months before. Uh, going into Worlds, I was, I was uh, pretty light going into it. I was consistently around, like, 123. So from nationals, I had to make a pretty substantial cut, and then I just kind of maintained all the way through. Yeah. So you don't like doing too big of a, a water cut leading in, because three kilo I, for a guy your size isn't a big water cut at all. No, no, it's just uncomfortable. I mean, it's, it's not fun to do, and yeah. So you just gotta, you gotta do it. So. In uh, so, I remember we were talking about this before we came on here. Um, in the squats, in the warm up room, when everybody's getting ready. I remember talking to you real quick too, and we're looking at everybody's openers, and we're like, "Holy shit! Somebody's opening up a 450 kilo." 
And I remember being like, that's got to be a bullshit number. And you were like, that's got to be a bullshit number. We all agree it's, there's no way that's a real number. What were you thinking when you saw 350 kilo up there? Like, that's where you're like, holy fuck, if that's real. Yeah, no, that was pretty ridiculous. I think someone actually had a 370 as well. Yeah. Uh, the, um, the Ukrainian guy put a 370 opener to try to, like, I guess he, the, the coaching didn't understand how the nominations worked. So he, he was trying to get into flight, the, the, the main flight. Yeah. And he just was worried that he was going to be battling out against yeah. the, uh, ah. you know, like, a low, like the first worst flight. Yeah. Lifters. Yeah. But uh, he was, he was going to be there regardless because he was nominated like three or three or five, something like a decent amount, but that quickly dropped. And then, and then he, um, no, he, yeah, the Ukrainian got his, did well on squats. He got the bronze in squat, yeah. and then he bombed out on bench. Yeah. Ah, uh, gotcha. And he was. But yeah, the three fifty. I I thought that was gonna go get changed too, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it should have been changed. <laughs> <laughs> like that was crazy. Even watching it, did you actually see those squats, or were you just paying? No, no, I was like, I was too focused on just uh, getting ready for uh, for my lifts, and uh, well, it was actually after the lifts, but I was just, like. Just get, get my head in like in the zone. So I didn't, so I didn't see those lifts, but it's like after after the fact of watching, it's like what is going on? <laughs> it was it was. I couldn't believe a he kept coming out. B nobody stopped him. Like, yeah, no, man, yeah, don't, don't do know it. what his coach was thinking. Like <laughs> then Joe Ryder went back there and tell him like, do not go out. Yeah. Okay. So so like, are you yeah. listening to me? You're gonna listen to this doctor. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> no. Whatever, man. <laughs> Like, if you had seen that, do you think that would rattle you at all if you just see a guy totally get knocked the fuck out? Nah, I see, see stuff all the time. Like, I don't know, I watched the video of Garrett uh, bailing with yeah. uh, 375 or whatever. Like, whatever. It happens. Yeah. Uh, I've bailed. It doesn't, it doesn't psych me out. It's part of the sport. Yeah. Nothing really... Uh, I mean, it's his it's own fault. He, it's not like... The rack gave out or something, yeah. like the bar snapped. It's like, no, it's this guy's just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely poorly executed, and that's to say the least. Now, looking at the squats, I'm just gonna pull up your, um, the, uh, how this went here. Did you go nine for nine? Holy yeah. shit, you did. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it was one of the, like, I had to go nine for nine, or it wasn't gonna happen. Yeah, and so after squats, you were in fourth. And then I believe bench, yeah, you came in second. So it really came down to the deadlift, which I would say, is that probably your bread and butter, the deadlift? Uh, depends. It's, it, it used to be, like, consistently really good. Uh, and I've had a lot of back problems in the past, like, two, three years. So it's just been something that's hit or miss. Like, I, I can miss, like, 700 pounds in training, and then two weeks later go to a meet and pull 770. Yeah, holy it's, smokes. It was like, if I, if I get in my head, like if I'm training, I get in my head a lot easier and like, just kind of like, it's not worth hurting myself for, but yeah. in a meet, all or nothing. Yeah. And going into the deadlifts, um, so yeah, fourth on squat, second on bench, was this really where you wanted to be walking into the deadlift event? Or were you well, thinking, I, I, like what were you thinking walking in there? Uh, ideally, I, I was hoping to have uh, my squat feeling better and then be able to squat more, but it just, it wasn't there. Like everything, <laughs> there's definitely not other, uh, not other kilo on that, uh, that 699.96 <laughs> um, squat. And then 
nationals in Saguenay, I um, was coming from behind again. Like it's, it's not something I was it's not been new. Like Mick Kulche was is a much better uh, squatter than I am, and like I was hurt at the time, and he was he would squatter me. He benched very similar to me, and then I had to come back from the end from the deadlift. So it's a position I've been in before. Mm-hmm. It's like coming back and trying to make up space on the deadlift. But the the big difference here, obviously. When it was the World Championships in Canada, and you're walking out there for the deadlift event, and you know you've already gone six for six, did you start thinking, holy shit? Like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was, I was concerned because uh, my back wasn't feeling great. It was just everything was not, like, not feeling too, too, uh, too hot. And I was like, fuck, do I, like, do I just go and, like, like lower my deadlift? Like I was, I was thinking of lower my deadlift, and then Matt and Abby wanted to raise my deadlift. It's like crap. Like what? Like what do we do? And I was like, okay, well, let the coaches put it on. I, I'll I'll do it. Like so, we raised the deadlift two and a half kilos to gain position over um, the Polish lifter and um, Amanda's yeah. from Lithuania, because mm-hmm. um, they were both we were all opening at three hundred twenty kilos, and so. Um, Going to that, I was like, crap, maybe I should lower it, but, like, this is my chance to do it, so I yeah. put it all on the line. Yeah. <clears throat> so you started off a little bit ahead, and you just wanted to maintain a little heavier on the deadlift so that you get to pull last, right? Yeah, yeah. The idea was, like, I think at the, day, at the end of the day, like, I would we would have put on anything to uh, go for that gold. So, um, I guess I hit, uh, so... I hit my, we all hit our deadlifts, and then um, the Polish lifter went up 20 kilos. Yeah. That was a little bit too much of a jump to try to catch up to, but Amanda's went up 15. Amanda's missed, yeah. so I moved up to uh, moved up to second. I believe, yeah, I was, I was moved up to second. Yeah. The Polish lifter hit it, and it, like, it looked pretty good, the, the lift, and then um, he went up five kilos. Uh, he went up to 347 and a half. So he yeah. went up seven and a half kilos. Yeah. Seven and a half kilos. Yeah. And then he, um, he missed. Yeah. But if he hit it, we would have put on, what, it would have been 360. Yeah. Yeah. We would have put on 360. And I think, I think it would have been there. Just, I don't know. I, I live for that, that hype of, uh, that last deadlift. And I, if I need to pull it, I will, uh, I'll give it all I have. And let's talk about that last deadlift though. Talk about dramatic. I mean, this is the world championships in your home country, and it's the last fucking deadlift, and we've never had an open world champion. The bar is loaded. Everybody in the place knew, and everybody watching online knew. You make this, you're, you're Canada's golden boy. 
And you're walking out there, and I, I remember, like, this place, like, you yeah. could cut the tension with a knife, man. The place was, like, electric, right? Like, everybody was standing. Everyone knew what it meant. <clears throat> and you walking out there, like, what was going through your mind, even before walking out there, just waiting in the fucking wings, knowing what was about to happen? Well, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, um, it's, it's a weird thing. Cause I went to the de- well, going into the event, I, when I found out it was, uh, Chris Robb as the head of Marie, um, he he's uh, known for making you hold the deadlift, and uh, so at, tw- at 2016, yeah, it was 2016 nationals at Regina. He made me hold the deadlift. I looked like I don't know, like five, like it was a, it was a long time to hold a deadlift at the top. Gives me a down command and red lights me, and so like in my mind, like this is uh, like going through my like first couple deadlifts, I was getting red lights, like crap. So like Abby and Matt were telling me. Just, just sell it. Like, lean, like, lean back more. It's not, it's not how I pull. I pull like the minimal amount, and uh, but it's going through. So I think about that. Like, am I going to get red lights because of the uh, red lights because of like my shoulders not being back enough for the uh, the refs, and especially after the first two lifts, it's like I had either judge gave me uh, me reds, and Chris Rob hadn't given me a red yet, so I, I was waiting. Like, it's his turn. Why, that's why I was nervous. <laughs> this happening? Did I want to get two to one call because my shoulders were back? But then when all three like white lights came up, it was like, a surreal moment. It's like finally it actually uh, it happened. But yeah, so before going out on the platform, it's my mind was just like, you can do this. You don't miss. Uh, something like uh, Trent Blanchard has said to me so many times that like that I like. Going over the last deadlift, I don't miss. I'm here to win, and so it's all going through my head that I'm just going to do all I can and leave it all out there. And how? And it off. Yeah, yeah. So after that, and you after you hit it, got the down command, three white lights. How quickly did it dawn on you? Holy fuck! I am an IPF Open World Champion. I am the first. Everyone remembers the first. Everybody remembers the first. You were the first Canadian to do it, man or woman. I don't know. Like, it, like it's like thinking back. It's like it's everything's everything's still the same. Not, nothing's nothing's different. Uh, I'm not gonna ever. I'm never gonna be as popular as the '83 junior lifters. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like those guys are IG famous for just being there. Like yeah. But, people uh, people like, aren't stopping you in the grocery store asking for autographs. Oh, no, <laughs> like there's been like like two like go to a meet and there's like two guys who was like, "Are you Eric Willis?" Like, finally someone. I'm spotting and loading, and not no one knows who I am. What the <laughs> fuck, right? <laughs> yeah, like um, uh, I was just like, I was just at the uh, the Ottawa Open in uh, in June, so it was like a week after, and um. I was there, and uh, like, so, like, like Art Chan and uh, Sandro were like totally into it. They're like, "Oh my God, the world champs here!" Like they're like announcing that I'm there. It's like no one, like the room silence. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a fucking. There's like one dude. <laughs> You're yeah, like... yeah. Then like, and then a few handshakes. Yeah. But uh, it, I don't know, it's it's it's, uh, it's great, but it's. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's it's just powerlifting, right? <laughs> this well, it is true. Uh, it is powerlifting, but so did, was there like media or anything like that? Uh, no. Well, I guess like that's that's another thing I noticed. 
you're being in a big city in Ottawa. Like, no one, like, the news has more important things to do, like reporting on what uh, Trudeau did last week. So, how many selfies he took. Yeah. Uh, like, there's like no media at all. No tweet. No tweet from Trudeau saying congratulations, son. Thanks for bringing me. Uh, maybe he just saw my name and I didn't see it. <laughs> exactly. How sick would that have been if Trudeau gave a tweet? Well done. <laughs> well done, Eric. I watched the live stream. It was very well done. I knew you had it in you. <laughs> but uh, uh, would have been pretty pretty funny. But I don't know. So like it's it's been good. Like I I been world champions. Uh, Pretty cool, I guess. Uh, is there something to tell people? But you, yeah, have, but you uh, have to, you have to tell them. Well, yeah, well, so like last night I was at a wedding and I, I knew no one there, and um, I was like, how do I tell this, these people that I just won worlds without coming across as a prick? Like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm a world champion. What up, guys? So, and then it's like, so what do you guys do for fun? And so I let them talk about their hobbies. And then and, you say, I'm the world like, champion. Well, so I just got back from uh, the world championships where I won. <laughs> and they're like, so, ah. so I had to like segue into it so I don't, didn't seem like some arrogant asshole. And do people, do they know powerlifting? They, they have an idea. They like, once you like, they're like powerlifting, like, oh, squat, bench, and deadlift. And then they, they get it. Like a lot of people, like my, uh, my colleagues, like they didn't get it. But then when I tell them squat, bench, and deadlift, I know, that's, the, that's the great thing about powerlifting is it's so relatable to the average person that like they know they don't even know what the sport is but they know the list like mm-hmm. like maybe not the deadlift the deadlift's a weird one for people like what, what's that but then it's it's a simple simple lift so I mean like squatting everyone knows what a squat is yeah and yeah. bench press obviously I mean that's the thing where when you're a world champion in powerlifting you really are it's not like a sport like for instance fucking like water polo yeah. or some shit like that where who knows if any of us could be world class yeah. water polo champions because we would never fucking even try it. Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Or, or like any of these weird sports where it's like, all right, you're the best of a very few amount of people who gave a shit enough to try to perfect themselves in that craft. Whereas if you're the best in powerlifting, almost everybody you know has been to the gym. Yeah. Try to squat, yeah. try to bench. And if they all of a sudden were squatting, anywhere close to 300 kilo type shit, they're probably going to start competing. If you're going to be the best in powerlifting, you legit got to be better than damn near everybody who walks into a fucking gym. Yeah, so I'm like world champion gym bro. <laughs> That's a way cooler title, sir. That's how yeah, you introduce yourself. kilo open classic world champion. Nah, the world, like the world, champion, world gym champion gym bro. That's right. That's how you got to introduce yourself on weddings, sir. <laughs> if you use the term bro, be like, I want to be around this guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, it was, and it's like, it, it just be like, it's the same thing, all these gym slogans. Like, there's no weight class in the jungle. <laughs> yeah, I'm the strongest there's, guy. There's no weight classes in the jungle? Is that, a, is that a gym slogan? I don't know. It should be. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably going to be our first t-shirt, by the way. There's no weight classes in the jungle. And I'll put quotes, Eric Willis. IPF champion. And then I'll put 120 kilo weight class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't, don't move against Ray or Kelly. That's not going to be a good time for uh, good me at all. So so what's the plans now that uh, you won the world championships? Are you are you looking for towards uh, Sweden to defend or? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on how uh, things go. I mean, the 120 class is pretty, uh, pretty stacked in Canada as it is. So mm-hmm. it's all about like, at the end of the day, who does best at 
nationals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I mean, thinking about going, doing Sweden, I mean, I guess the ultimate goal is to uh, is take the world records, right? So I have to be better than Dennis. I, I still have quite a few years before I'm uh, Dennis's age, so I still have a lot of time to. Uh, How old are you? I'm 28. Oh no kidding. Okay, yeah, you got I plenty turned of time. Turned 28 uh, two weeks ago. So you're like, because I think Dennis is damn near 10 years older than you. He's in his late. Yeah, class. like almost exactly 10 years older. Yeah, and the thing with powerlifting, um, unlike some of these other sports, like long after hand-eye coordination starts leaving reflexes, endurance, speed, whatever, power just can just keep accumulating. Yeah, because it, it, it is like, if you keep on training, keep on doing your thing, you're gonna get stronger. I mean, maybe it's a top off point, like when you start hitting the, uh, like the master's ages, your, your strength's gonna start tapering off. I mean, there's some freaks out there that are just, just doing some ridiculous things in their 50s, mainly yeah. on ground, and I don't know, yeah. some crazy guys, right? But um, for the most part, it's, once you hit the masters, your strength's gonna start like coming down. I mean, the, we do have a lot of strong masters, one lifters that compete open. Mm-hmm. So like maybe it's in their fifth, in their fifties. It's a little gonna be a downhill battle. So that's like like twice my age. What's that? Yeah, literally. Yeah. Well, you got a guy like David Ricks, yeah. who's um, how old is he? One hundred seventy-five now. Yeah, almost one hundred seventy-five. And uh, uh, yeah, something like that. Something like that. And he's like he can compete in the open. And he took like a world record. Yeah, it's 2016. Yeah, he squat. He's yeah. what like seven something. Yeah, yeah. It took like the open world record, and he's consistently at the top. And if he wasn't in the U.S., he'd be in the open world championships damn near every year as well. The U.S. is competitive as shit, though. Trying yeah. to make it there. Yeah, that's what I tell people. Like, this is like 50 year old dude who like who squats more than me, weighing less than me. Yeah, and I like, oh, I'm too old for this. Like. Buddy, you're in your fifties. I know a fifty-year-old. Yeah. Well, actually, wants me weighing less than me. No joke. David Ricks is fifty-eight, yeah. so he's like closer to sixty. And he's he was in the commentating booth, and because um, I asked him like go commentate one of those sessions, and I pulled my arm around him, and it's like holy shit, this yeah. dude is jacked. <laughs> like I mean, like like he's man, he's a muscular cat for sixty men. And it's like, you look at him, if he like, I, I think he might have a little bit of gray, but he's aging like fine wine this Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you've seen pictures of him when he's in his 20s, he looked like a freaking Mr. Olympia, like jack yeah. the hell. <laughs> um, like he's just got those crazy genes, so he's always going to be fairly jacked. But uh, when did you start powerlifting or, or, or weightlifting, let's say? Um, it was, well, I started uh, like strength training in 2012. Before that, I was like, going to the gym, like, I went, I think 2010 is when I started, like, fitness, mm-hmm. and I was mostly either running, like, I was trying to lose weight, I was, uh, I was, like, 230 pounds, just, like, like, so not, not, not massive, but I was, like, just fat, and it was, <laughs> that's a blunt, yeah, things, things are now, I, I weigh more than I did before, and I'm less fat, so, uh, so I lost a lot of weight, so I was, like, mostly running, interval training, like, go do some, some bodybuilding.com workout yeah. on, uh, and, and like just hit the machines. Like the gym I was training at was like, it had, it all had as a Smith machine, like, and like dumbbells and all the, some, it, it was not a good gym at all. Mm. But, um, so I, I would start like kind of squatting. It's like, it's kind of fun. I mean, th- these squats were like, 
I'd make it on quarter squat gang for sure. Like, <laughs> quarter squat is 400 pounds in a Smith machine. Like, oh, jeez. This stuff's embarrassing. Tell, so, tell me there's clips on it. Tell, tell me you put clips on it, too. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember. It was Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, and then, so, in 2012, I started, um, I, at the beginning of the year, like, New Year's resolution, uh, I wanted to start getting stronger, and so I started doing starting strength, and, um, it was like five by five, oh, no, three by five, adding five pounds a session and uh, started doing that, did it for a couple, little while and like, getting stronger. I, my, my reasoning was like, I'm not moving up weight to get as jacked as I want to be, so I'm going to get stronger as I can move the bigger weights. Mm. And, um, and then, uh, it's like some guy at the gym, he, he's, he was actually a powerlifter, he's like, you compete, I'm like, what the hell is that? Like competing what? And then like, he started telling <laughs> me about like, how Because like, I was like squatting like this, by this time I was like squatting like three hundred like sixty pounds like yeah. like weighing like uh, sub two hundred and like yeah, not like not bad but like not great and like so kind of working my way up and then, like kind of like stuck with me is like is I think he took it was like he went into school year so like April and I was like I'm gonna look for a meet and like. There was one, I was, no, it was full when I saw it, like the auto open in, in June, and I was like, okay, well, I was originally going to go and like watch, but then, oh, it was on my birthday, so it was in July, and then I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that, I'm going to get drunk instead. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, I saw the, there was another one in October, so I was like, I'm going to sign up for that meet. And then I signed up for that meet, and um, I was like, was I, was I squat? Oh, my numbers are there, so it's my only meet. Uh, I was like, so I was squatting, like, I opened at like 400 pounds on the squat, and then I missed my other two lifts. Oh, I know, I had two squats, I got two squats. And then uh, I almost bombed out on bench, missed my, uh, my shoulder came out, and then I missed the rack command, and then I went up weight and <laughs> actually hit it. So, not good strategy, but it, uh, it paid off. And then I deadlifted uh, 473 pounds, 215 kilos. What? Oh, my, my first, my my first meet was yeah, two fifteen. Um, that was like that was like opener because my next attempt I was like probably like five hundred. Someone said to just drop the weight, like, and what he meant was drop my like my body drops. I put this weight out super controlled. The uh, the Mike Hadleski putting it down, like, yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's why I did the first one. Second one is like someone told me let it go. So I went halfway down. Said oh yeah, let it go. As so I let it go, red lights. <laughs> And I was like, oh, great. And the third one, I didn't even know what happened. I pulled it, like, it came off the ground a little bit, then, like, it, so it was up and down. Yeah. But, uh, so, I, I had a bit more in me, but it was, like, it was bad. <laughs> no uh, shit, so you walked away the 473 deadlift? Yeah, yeah. Oh, holy shit. So the funny thing, so this was October, and I got on training deadlifts, and, like, I, um, oh, did I... I think I might have done like a small uh, base cycle, so like a lot of squatting. And then right before, uh, like right before Christmas break, I went and deadlifted again, and I pulled uh, like 585 in the gym. Yeah. You so pulled like, like 585. Oh shit. Yeah, like I, I, I'm a natural deadlifter. I have these long, long arms that kind of help for that. It doesn't help my bench at all, but. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, that's when I first started lifting, and then the year, like, so I had one, a buddy who's never competed before, had, like, 
handle me, and he's just in the back, just like standing there looking like an idiot. <laughs> Uh, and then the year, the following year, uh, we did the Ottawa Open in June or July, or whatever it was, and uh, that's when uh, that's when Phil Phil Brown competed for the first time, and like we had we had met each other that like that year, and like came uh, came good friends, and then uh, then they started doing like provincials. Was it did I do provincials? In, yeah, I did provincials in twenty thirteen and won won provincials. My like. I was a junior. It was like my last time as a junior, so I started lifting so late and, uh, and well, not super late, but like relatively late. Yeah. And what what was the weight that you when you won provincials? Do you know what your total was? Uh, my total was seven oh seven. Okay, so now you're starting to pick up steam a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I squat was like I squat I squat like uh, five fifty one. I benched three fifty eight and deadlifted six fifty. Okay, so these numbers are starting to move now. Are were you always a one twenty kilo guy? No, I saw so my first meet. I was ninety. I was ninety kilos. Ninety. Uh, I, I saw. I was in ninety three kilo class. I think I was like ninety point two kilos. Wow. Next meet, I was one hundred five. Then provincials, I was one hundred five again. And then at nationals, um, so it was it was Bryce Crouch's first nationals, and I beat him at my first nationals. Ah. And then um. And then after that, I don't think I was 105 again because I was just saying, I, I like pizza and beer too much. So, <laughs> and like that's where I'm at now. It's like, well, I mean, like, I guess the, the jump between 105 and like the top of 120 is a pretty big gap. Yeah. So, so I've been 120 ever since, like, I guess, 20, like late 2014. And was it, so how quickly did you fill out 120? Because that is a big like, gap. Oh yeah, yeah. So I guess my what happened was I was trying to fill one hundred five, and I was like mixing olive oil, my protein shakes, just like getting extra calories in. You, you were trying, and, to and I just like it just something happened. I like just jumped up. It was like <laughs> next thing I know, I'm like one hundred twelve kilos. It's like okay, well, <laughs> who, whatever. Who tries to fill out one hundred five ends up one twenty? <laughs> yeah, like, you, it was you it was, did it. Was any any job like, we're doing. Pizza like every Wednesday. I, I was I was TAing, and like so I had office hours at four o'clock or something like that. And um, we'd go get pizza. Ideally, I was we were lifting at like eleven. Go get pizza at like at like two. Uh, Phil was all notoriously late to show up at every session. Like I'd be done lifting, and then he'd show up. It's like okay, well, I want to stay hang out with you, and then I want to see my office hours. Yeah. Get pizza. Yeah. So we would eat like basically a pizza each. Every classes. Was it like, so what, what is your daily eating looking like? Um, I drink a lot of beer. <laughs> and for anybody listening, he's drinking a beer right now. <laughs> yeah, I made it myself. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that's the, the best behind me is my, um, my brewing stuff. Okay. Oh, shit. See, I thought you were, like, Breaking Bad. I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, definitely, uh, definitely booking some meth and stuff. Don't <laughs> test me. That's right. He, you tested positive for meth, which isn't necessarily what we were looking for. But uh, it's, all, it's actually kudos to you for being able to win while being yeah. a meth addict. That's um, not really more detrimental. But, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean, going into Worlds, I was, I was doing the... Uh, I think there's a lot of like beef and rice. Yeah. And like, I, I was like very vertical. I mean, like, I don't. Stan says a lot of like very interesting things. I think he's a very smart guy, but it's like, 
I don't know. It's just like the idea. I, I like the idea of just being able to easily control what I eat. It's like I know the calories in my my beef. I know the calories in the rice, and I can just like stack it up, and then I just eat the same thing. I found it just like a lot easier than than trying to scan all the labels yeah. of things like yeah. the regular tracking macros. It's like I've tried that in the past, and like I do it for like a day, and then I get bored of it, and then I think just having like writing on a spreadsheet how many like macro breakdown of rice, macro breakdown of the uh, the beef, and then it was a lot easier. So like. That's how I was eating. I was eating like, I don't know, it was probably like close to like two pounds of like beef a day. Holy smokes, man. So yeah, I, it was a, a fair bit. Are you, so A, are you, you're on the vertical diet? Not anymore. I was just, okay. I was doing it for um, going into worlds. Fight. So now, uh, like, I don't know, I don't think beer fits in the vertical diet very well. <laughs> so, and that's, and actually, no, to be fair, I did, like, when I, when I was doing, like, the vertical diet, um, I did make sure I had room in my macros for beer. Kind of, yeah. I, I, yeah, I, for sure. I put in two beers a night, and I <laughs> keep saying... What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, this is... This is amazing. I hope I hope kids are listening to this and be like, I'm gonna be like Eric Willis. <laughs> I, I swear to God, like going into worlds, my blood was ibuprofen and beer. <laughs> no shit, eh? Yeah, I mean, beer probably doesn't help with the inflammation, and then my I think ibuprofen help with that. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not an ideal athlete. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what? It's funny that um you bring up the vertical diet. I swear to God, man. The last like four podcasts we've done, everybody's been on the vertical diet. Like, and, and did like did it? Did you find? Did you feel a difference? Like it worked? Like, I mean, you won. It, it helped. I I don't even know. Like, yeah, I wasn't drinking like taking like cranberry stuff. I like, wasn't like following all the minutia. Like, I'm I'm sure I was like completely mac like uh, missing all my ma- uh, my micros because I wasn't like building that horizontal base that he talks about. Yeah, I was just like. I'm just gonna have ground beef and rice. Sometimes I put spinach in it, sometimes I put carrots in it, I don't know. Yeah. Every now and then I read a potato, but like, it, I wasn't, I don't know, like diet's been something that I've never really, like, tried to dial in on. It just, I like eating too much to, uh... uh how, how many calories do you think you eat a day to be 120? Because you have to eat, like, you have to eat yourself into 120. You're not naturally walking around 120. Is that right, or...? Well, not anymore. Like, I mean, I, I, I probably have to cut, like, have a massive deficit to get myself down because I probably, because I don't do anything besides, like, sit in a chair, lift, and drink beer. <laughs> Dude, you're making t-shirts right now. That's a fucking t-shirt again. We, we, you are a printing, you are a soundbite guy. I don't, that should be on your eHarmony profile. I don't do anything except sit, lift, and drink beer. <laughs> it's. Uh, I, have, I, have, I have six, uh, six tabs. Well, six tags on tap right now. Holy <laughs> smokes, man! Yeah. And do you? Uh, so, if you had to take a guess, how many calories you eat a day? What would you get? Eat or drink? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> Let's say consume. Both uh, together. It's probably. I, 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 I probably, it's not that, I don't think it's that, probably that high, I don't know, like, probably 3,500, like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm not, like, I don't eat a ton. Yeah, yeah. I know guys, like, they're trying to just eat 
you know, when you're trying to eat into a class and you're trying to gain weight, yeah, you're eating a lot, but I don't want to do much to maintain it yeah. anymore. Yeah. It's a struggle to lose it. <laughs> yeah. See, because you do have some guys, like, like super heavyweights, yeah. who are like force feeding themselves to get as big as possible. And that's not, you don't got to worry about anything like that. No, no, I just like, I eat when I'm hungry. Sometimes I eat too much, but it's like, it's I'm not constantly in a state of feeling like I vomit. Would you, have you ever thought about moving into the super heavyweight 120 plus and just seeing what you could do? Like, I, I have. I just, it's just a matter of, like, I don't think I can commit to being the top of the weight, like, being the best at it. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't become, I, couldn't, I don't think I could get to 360 pounds, which, like, is basically getting being, like, competitive in that class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't think it's feasible for me to do that without feeling like I'm going to die. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know how Kelly does it like day in and day out. That that guy, he he's committed. He's committed. Yeah, we had him on here. We asked him um, how long he thinks he's going to stay in the 120 plus. I was thinking he had a couple goals like uh, you know thousand pound squat he's been chasing for a long time, and like I thought if he hits a couple of those goals and then he'll probably go down because that's what I was thinking anyway he's going to say, but he actually. It doesn't look like there's an end in sight for him, you say. He feels like he wants to stay 120 plus and, and, and ride that wave as long as he can. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, that's the, I, can, I think the IPF needs to introduce a weight class that's in the middle. Because you need, like, uh, you, you have to be, it's between, like, 264 pounds and, like, 364 pounds. Like, how is that? Yeah. yeah. How is that a thing? Well, there was. I know in the in the other yeah. feds and there used to be the three hundred eight class yeah. one forty yeah. one forty kilo yeah, yeah. three hundred eight pounds and that would probably that's nice and in the middle right there yeah yeah exactly they they put in a class but I mean like, they can't put in one forty kilos because then they'll be going back to other classes yeah. so probably like one thirty eight yeah something like that yeah or one forty two and a half or some shit like that and then yeah. Uh, yeah. something something dumb but like. <laughs> That, that, that's the class. Like, if they, if they do that, I'd probably move up to that class. Oh, shit, man. How many beers would you be drinking a day then? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> six pack a day, minimum. Six pack? <laughs> They'll call you Six Pack Willis. That's what they, when you come in. Six Pack oh. Willis showed up. Yeah, I don't know. So, so, a lot of beer. So, what does, what does your training look like in terms of, well, for, first off, because uh, you're bringing us along. How was your training developed from when you were doing like 707 and winning uh, provincials to now? Like, what did your training look like then? And what does your training look like now? Some of the differences. So a lot of like, uh, after I started like the whole starting strength thing and then I went to, did, uh, I did 531. Yeah. Um, I didn't like 531, there was enough volume. I found it was not great. I, I started getting better on it when I added like double up the days. Because mm. um, I had more volume, so. And then I started doing the shake programs. Yeah. So I was like doing shake 29, 37, 31, 32. Uh, and like tons of variations for like uh, those numbered programs. Yeah. For yeah. like years. And that's what I made the, like, that's what I was able to make the best progress. Like I, uh, just doing reps of her technique. Like the, they're really, they're really great programs. And like a lot of like sub maximal work, you're working in like 80% ranges, like, Basically, that's it. Like eighty-five percent for doubles sometimes, mm-hmm. 
And so there's a lot of, uh, lot of good stuff in those programs. I mean, I didn't run them exactly like that because I'm, I'm an idiot and I would just ramp up weights a lot. So like, that's one thing that I, I really like to do was like, I would, okay, so I'm hitting five sets of three at 80%. So I hit like that first set and then it's like, okay, that was easy. Go up, go up, go up. And then hit a PR on my, on my fifth set. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I was like, I want to go to the gym. I'm gonna put three sets together in one set, and then oh. just do a big set and then leave. <laughs> um, so there's like, uh, there's a lot of that, a lot of like being being done with training, and then um, so I guess when did I stop doing that? Because I, I was programming for myself. I like wrote my own programs for a while, and um, it was I guess going into. Uh, I guess I, I, well, I stopped doing it in 2017 when uh, Austin Ryan took over my programming. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I was doing my own thing. I was like, I was a big fan of um, like working backwards and hitting rep PRs that correlate to my goal weights. Yeah. So like using the uh, either like Weathers formula or like the other formulas kind of like translated back. It's like I want to hit say like a 660 squat. And I so what what's my two rep max need to be, what's my three rep max based on these formulas, and then I kind of uh, pro, uh, program that in for like, do five, four, three, two, uh, on like a weekly basis, do five, then four, then three, for like squats, and then have like a volume day, and have like, um, then like so this, higher like weight day. This is uh, the program you, when you're doing it yourself? Yeah, this is, so this is before, I guess 2016, I still, this program actually, when I was doing myself, is what got me to do the 500 wheels for the first time. So you were doing, uh, so basically you would have, let's say you hit whatever you did in a meet, and then you looked at your numbers, what was I doing, like what was my triple, double, etc. Worked out the math, so then your next block, you used the same percentages, only if you eyeballed up to uh, one. Kind of, yeah, it is very similar to that. Like, so, because the one thing, I, I, I compete a lot. And so I have a lot of data points on, on like my training and everything. So I, I, I had all my training log, but I, yeah. everything I knew exactly what I was hitting, and um, I, I didn't write detailed notes. So I don't know if like this triple was hard. It was before like it's before the big RPE boom when everyone started yeah. doing starting RPEs. So and like rating RPEs. So I didn't have any of that data, but I was just like. If I could hit for three, like whatever the weight is, I don't, I don't have an example, but like I just do that like consistently for like the block, and then I know that by by the meet time, I should be able to do it because all my rep maxes correspond to that mm-hmm. that best yeah. weight. And so I was the, the problem was I like I beat myself into the ground yeah. like week after week because it was just always hitting like rep maxes. Yeah. Mm. And so like, I beat myself up, and then like probably part of the reason where, like, where my injuries come from is you being idiot. Because I would do it on the deadlift too, like yeah. I deadlifted um, seven sixty-five for a double. Yeah. Holy shit! And I, I, I my best meet pull seven seventy-seven now. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, but because I probably wasn't the smartest thing to do, and now I'm not definitely paying the price for for that because like. Realistically, if I'm pulling 765 for two, I should be pulling 800. Yeah. And like, but not the case anymore. So like, like I've run a lot smarter with my training, where it's not, I, I'm just, I don't try to beat myself up into the ground. I, I, um, I know that like, 
I don't need to deadlift to be able to deadlift. Yeah. And so you look at you my deadlift training now, you think I'm like, it's like, what, what are you even doing? Like, I got to do singles. That's all I do. I don't do anything but singles. Austin so, so would program like 10 singles, like, oh, hey, I'm going to do five. Like, relax. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, then I pull a PR in the meet. But, yeah. like, it's because I'm naturally good at deadlifting that if I get my squat up, my legs are getting stronger, I don't need to work on my my technique for deadlifts. And that's where just a few singles on a weekly basis helps that. Yeah. No kidding. So you don't even need, even just to, like, tax the nervous system, you don't need to in terms of pulling? To get yourself well, uh, so, um, going to provincials, uh, 2017, I deadlifted 350 and a half. Yeah. And I, um, my heaviest pull before that, was, like, before that block was 705 for one. Oh, true. Oh, wow. And so, like, it's just, I don't know, it's because, I, it might be because I beat myself up before and I, I knew, like, the weight's nothing like too new, but I, I don't need to be able to deadlift a lot to do it. I know like that deadlift singles thing has been has been around for a while. Like Matt Gary, like that's their like they all they do is deadlift singles. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it's, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like they uh that's the that's how they train their athletes, which is singles because it's too. It's taxing. It's it's a, it's a big risk to start repping it out. Hmm. Yeah, because there is that. Um, I mean, it's interesting because then there is that thinking. Okay, to make to tax the nervous system and make it stronger. You know, a pull is good because like the weight you're gonna move. But then on the flip side, um, so do you make up that with a whole bunch of squatting? Like, how often would you squat then? Uh, well, I, it's been it's been rough because I come out from the injury, so. Uh, I, I only squat twice a week, and then I deadlift once a week, and I bench four times a week. Yeah. Oh wow! So you do a lot of benching. Yeah, well, I, I I need to because I need to get the the size and like, yeah. I because I have the long arms, I can't. Uh, I'm not a natural like I bench a lot, but I'm not a natural bench yeah. bencher. Like, mm-hmm. and it's what, just come from a lot of a lot of hard work. What does your squat days look like? Um, well, it, it all depends, but like, what did I do? <laughs> My training now has been a bit of a joke, so it's been, uh, I was, last week I, I high bar squatted 315 for three sets of eight. <laughs> was, is this because you're still celebrating the win? Uh, no, I was just like, getting back into it. Yeah, been, like, my hip was bothering me and stuff. Like, I took three weeks off and I'm like, Taking time off, yeah, you like the body feel great, but it always feels worse. Yeah. Um, but I would do a lot of like bandit squats. I like, I decided low bar bandit squats. Uh, I just posted a video of it like last earlier uh, last week, and just like four sets of four, like just like building, just trying to build my work capacity back up. But beforehand, it was like, um, a, like a heavy single, and then back off and hit a bunch of triples. Mm. Like five, five, six triples, and like that's very typical workout. And that's what you do leading into the world championships. Yeah. Gotcha. And would yeah. you be doing an RPE now? Are you on RPE? No, no, I, I don't. I don't do well with RPE because I am a bit of a meathead. <laughs> uh, I, I, I think like if 
like Austin will say like hit hit a single like it's I've been having bench sets RP seven and it's like well I'm just gonna think about this weight I want to pick a weight I'm gonna hit the weight like I don't care how it's gonna move yeah yeah it's so, like and I I, don't, I find like if you're not good at RPEs you you often like either overshoot it a lot or you undershoot it like because I always I never know I was like do you hit a weight at if it's at seven and you hit it, you hurt, like you hit a weight at seven. Well, what if you put on twenty more pounds? Is it still a seven? Yeah. Like I like I was just put the twenty pounds on and just oh crap, it's a nine now. <laughs> and here's so like, I'm not, I I um I have RPEs, but I'm, it's mostly I just track what the sets were, the, the RPEs of the sets, so that when Austin's doing my next week, he'll know that like okay, well maybe we won't go up twenty pounds, we'll go up ten pounds. On the uh, so the, yeah, it's a lot of like just progressive progressive overload. You can, like you can like the basics work. Yeah, linear, linear progression works well. The thing with like an RPE, for instance, you can have an RPE ten single. Now that doesn't mean that's the heaviest single you could have done. It means you could have done an extra rep. But an RPE ten single could be five hundred pound squat. And then a 525 pound squat, still RPE 10 single. You're still not going to double it, but you had more in the tank, so you could have squatted more weight, but you just, well, you're, you're past the point of double. To be fair, a lot of people like this, I RPE 9.9. It's like, you missed it, you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have more pounds, that's why it was, it's a 9.9. .9. It's like, oh, okay, yes. Yeah, exactly. And, that's, that's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. So that's where, like, sometimes the RPE gets. A little, like you were saying, there's some gray area where people. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I understand it's, it's about regulating. Like, your entire workout's not going to be hit an RPE seven single. If that's if that's your entire workout, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Or you're squatting every day or something. But like, um, if you're, if like, so it's just like a, I understand like it's an old like you just try to hit a single, get used, to, get the groove. Like, what difference to make if you hit five hundred or five twenty five? Ultimately, it doesn't really matter. It's just like when I, when I look at my training, I just I pick a weight in my head and then I just go for it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, sometimes it doesn't feel good. Do you, sometimes it uh, like, moves better than expected. But do you do you pay attention to the guys that you're you're going to be competing against? And does sometimes that sway you in terms of when you're picking these weights? No, no. I guess I guess in the on the national level, it's just uh, Mick Coulier and Mike Mark Carnell and mm. and Phil are the. Um, I guess Carrie's coming up too, um, for the one uh, twenties. But it, it, like, at the end of the day, it's I want to do what I do, and then they'll they'll do what they do, and I just hope I do it better. <laughs> and, like, but it's this mentality that like it. It helped me be able to win worlds. Like I, I was going to keep on doing what I'm doing and let them make their mistakes. Mm -hmm. So you don't really, um, in terms of social media, you don't really super pay attention or you just like, whatever it is, you're just going to stay in your lane regardless. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll see what, see what happens and then it's good to know. I mean, it doesn't, I, I mean, the only thing, like, well, it used to maybe make a difference. That like, okay, I'm gonna like put put in the extra effort. They're getting they're getting good. But it's like nowadays, like if I do this extra set, I'm gonna blow up. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Yeah, it's an easy way to get a little ahead of yourself. If you're paying too much attention to what your competition's doing, thinking, oh shit, if he's tripling, 
this amount. Like, I got to keep pace. But the difference is, like, you have no idea where he's at in the uh, Well, I, I say the beauty, like, one of the beauties of the sport is that, like, you can only do what you can do. And, like, you can't, like, like digging deep, you're like, yeah, you, okay, sure, like, whatever. <laughs> you're gonna blow something up and be like, you think you, like, pull something up, like, will it up? It's, it's just not good to do in yeah. training. It's not like other sports where, it, like, there's, like, the whole skill part of it, like, you can you could train harder, you could like like work harder to be better at it. Whereas piloting is like, you, at the end of the day, you gotta be able to recover and you gotta be able to like, you just can't be like, I'm gonna put 25 more pounds on. Cause we're already at the maximum amount of what we yeah. can like yeah. push up bodies. So it's, it's yeah. not like. Yeah, if you start getting out, out of the pocket, you start basically just grinding yourself into the ground. Whereas like other sports, like you say, if it's a basketball, yeah. you could be in there practicing your shots. You could be in there if it's baseball, whatever, fine-tuning it. Yeah. But in terms of powerlifting, um, yeah, you could overtrain it, leave your best in the gym because instead of that's all the time. Yeah. So many, uh, so many gym class, uh, well, gym uh, world champions, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. They had these crazy numbers in the gym, and that's it. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the platform, they don't show up. Yeah. Have you done that before? No, no, I've, I've been pretty, been pretty consistent. I mean, like, I, I've missed a lot of deadlifts yeah. on third attempts, but it's like just try, like, trying something different. I don't know. I never really get too. Uh, my gym PRs sometimes, like my bench, I think my best bench is higher than my best meat bench, but it's just uh, bench is a hard one for that. Yeah. But uh, squat, like I, I they're close. My numbers are close, but I never like go hit something crazy in the gym and then come under, under underperform drastically. Yeah. It's been uh, pretty pretty consistent. What is do you know the stat by chance of missed third attempts on deads? Isn't it really high? Don't like Yeah, off the top of my head I don't know, but yeah it is. I think you guys are crunching numbers, but I think yeah. like it's more I think it's like sixty some odd people oh, yeah. miss a third or more, like sixty seven yeah. percent. I remember you guys are handing those out in the twenty seventeen worlds, some stats on people who missed the third attempt on dead. Which made it like your win that much more dramatic when, like you said, like you just said, I always miss my third dead, and you came out, and your world championship came down to your third. Yeah, dead. No, no, I've, I've missed my third dead when it doesn't matter. Yeah. Ah, okay. When it does matter, I haven't missed. I mean, it's only like twice, but what's that? Like, there was um, 2015 NAPFs. It was I was against um, Matt Somer. Yeah. For the goal, so I I pulled two and a half kilos more. Like my third, my second attempt looked like crap. I would have put two and a half kilos on because it would put me um, just above Matt Somer, and he put uh, he put on a half a kilo. Yeah. And then he he hit it. I mean, he, he had a ton more. Yeah. But I had to do, I did what I did to be yeah. able to like take the position on him. Like like squats and deadlifts, like I don't even know, like yeah. that's insane. <laughs> yeah. But, Bench is like a child, but. <laughs> Bench is like a child. He benches like 130 kilos. Yeah, no, it's it's nuts. Like yeah. Yeah. It is great. He's 140 now, but like, yeah. the guy's an amazing squatter and deadlifter. Yeah. World he doesn't like to bench press. Yeah. yeah. If he ever got, if Matt Solner ever got a bench press, Jesus wet. Because this squat and his deadlifts are absolutely fantastic. Like, he squats like high 800s, deadlifts in the 800s? In the 800s. Mm. Yeah. I'm, yeah, benches, sub four. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty crazy. So I remember seeing Matt, first time I saw Matt in a competition was like, I think it was 2012. 
and he was like a kid. And I mean for real, like fucking a teenager. Yeah. And he's already squatting in like the seven. He was like, everybody was talking about him. Like, who the, how the fudge is a kid yeah. like that squatting in the 700s? And he was a baby-faced kid, man. You saw him. <laughs> no, like, he, he still looks like he's still a baby-faced kid. Yeah. And it was everyone knew, like, watch this guy. Everyone knew he was going to be doing something special. <laughs> but he could definitely squat and deadlift, that's for sure. Yeah. If there was no bench press event, he'd be a world champion, no doubt. And if there was no bench press event, I'd have nothing. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so, so saving grace. That's right. The, the kid. So, uh, so what's your what's your training like now? Do you so you're with the same coach now for how long? Uh, it's going on two years. Okay. And have you guys developed into uh, like progress in terms of your training? Much difference. We uh, well, uh, Austin and I trained together. Like we. He used to live in Ottawa and we were, we would train together and ah, okay. so like he knows what I did and like, so my training isn't, um, isn't hugely different than it was. It's yeah. just better structured and like someone else, it's just having someone objectively look in, look in at my training as opposed to like be like, when you still do your own thing, you tend to overanalyze everything, yeah. you kind of like focus on some details and then completely miss the other ones because you just too focused on it. Yeah. So like the training, I mean, he did implement a lot of like different things. He like encourages me to do my accessory work, but I never do it because I'm lazy. <laughs> but like I do a lot of banded work now, like a lot of banded um, squats and um, bench. I, I haven't done bench in a little while, but squats. I just started doing banded squats again, and like I I love banded squats. And why is that? They just it just they feel so good and like. Like it doesn't hurt as much. Like my knees feel better, my hips feel better because it, as you get going down, it unloads, and then you come back up, it starts floating again. Yeah. So like in that hole where everything feels the worst, yeah, the weight's the lightest. And then I found it helps me uh, to squat faster and like do the trans like transition between the descent and the ascent better because um, the way yeah the, the bands are pulling me down and then. Um, well, no, that pulled, not pulling me down at all, the other way around. But like, it's just, I, it's if you don't hit the hole hard and come out fast, you're you're gonna eat shit. Yeah. Mm. The band's gonna pull you, like, it's, you're gonna hit the, hit the tension and you're not gonna have your time. So like, I find it really helps me with the transition to um, speed up my squat. So you, you have it, the band's attached to the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not, so yeah, regular banded squat versus that reverse banded squats. Gotcha. And would, do you find also the bands does it, in terms of bar path, does it keep you dead on? Because if you start swaying a little, you're gonna feel the pull on the band, right? It's almost naturally. Does that help? Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna, it locks you in on that, like uh, almost stripping down yeah. the bar path. It just so feels. Like, it's good and like but bad at the same time. As if like, if you're a like a new lifter trying to put it in, you're not gonna be able to like you take the bands off. Now you don't know what the regular bar path is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't know how to squat effectively. So there's a lot of things that you shouldn't necessarily do if you're a new lifter. Mm -hmm. Do you do stuff like pause squats, block pulls, stuff like that? Any kind of boards with benching? Uh, yeah, I do a lot. I did a lot of, um, I used to do pause squats. Um, still do them occasionally. Um, board work, yeah, two board. I hit like heavy two board stuff. Um, then like block pulls, not really. I don't really, because I don't deadlift too often. I, I did a few of them mm -hmm. but I never really liked uh, like block holes and like whenever Shaco had block holes programmed I just did them from the floor do you ever do pause on on deadlifts 
Uh, I used to do it all the time. Like, I, I like a lot of pause deadlifts. In my, when I was like developing my deadlift, yeah. Yeah. it was a lot of pause deadlifts, double double pauses. Oh shit! Like, yeah, like, I would do like a lot of a lot more accessory work on it. But like now, because my like, my back doesn't feel great, I don't want to. Uh, yeah. It's just a few deadlift singles, and that's it. Did those pauses you think like did it help you catch up? Get you working right now? Well, it, I. Yeah, I do think they did did a lot a lot of help, and I also like pulled from deficits and stuff like that. I'm a, like, I'm a big fan of um, making the lift harder. Yeah. Mm. So like, uh, I think one of the most underutilized things for on the bench press is like close grip bench press. That, like being able to press um, from a disadvantaged position uh, is really helpful, and also developing your triceps which help you with your lockout. So like it kind of works everything all at once by me at a closer, but I mean like shoulder width apart. Like I'm not like, yeah. you're not pretty much not yeah, fist together, yeah, like yeah. The, the throw close, uh, close grip, but like regular, uh, like I, I have a, uh, my index finger just, just be, uh, after like this, the smooth. So it's on the, on the narrowing, mm-hmm. but just like, just after the smooth on the inside. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. I, I found it like, me closer benching is probably what helped my bench get a lot, like a lot better. Okay, so in terms, because you have a coach, right, and you guys known each other for a couple of years, um, like how much does it help being with a coach for a couple of years when you guys know each other? You guys actually train together, as opposed to, I mean, doing like online coaching, where you're somewhat. Uh, I mean, when you're with a coach for a while, he knows what you like to do. He knows what your weights look like. He knows where you should be at in terms of, hey, look at Eric, you're starting to peak a little early. Let's pull you back. Um, or on the flip side, this day and age, mm-hmm. we have some coaches, huge, just like tons of, of uh, athletes that they're working with. But how much one-on-one can you get when it's just like online type deal and you're getting floated programs but not so much personal, right? They're not, how much video do they see? How much do they really know of you? Yeah. What do you? What are your thoughts on that whole thing? Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, me personally, I, I, at my level, I don't think I would have gone, I could have gone with anyone else, just because like, I, like my relationship with Austin before coaching, like he, like we were like, we train together, like he knows how I lift, he knows like, he understands that, like he's seen that, even when he moved away before he started like coaching me, we like share like videos and stuff like that. So like, it's nothing. It was nothing different. And I, but I don't think like any any coach is necessarily bad. Like, it's the problem is the athlete doesn't see the results they want right away. And after like a twelve week period, and then they switch. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get if you're at like any appreciable level of lifting, yeah. nothing's gonna happen in 12 weeks. If you yeah. get progress in 12 weeks, it's because you're doing something terribly wrong before. Yeah. Well, or you're, you're new. Like, it takes time to develop, like, with the coach to be able to do something, something good. Like, when I started with Austin, my numbers didn't shoot up. It's just like, they kind of were the same. I, I was hurt, and so it does not make his life any easier. But after, like, we got through that, and he, like, knew what kind of what bothered me what does what, uh, like what I like to do what I don't like to do but what I, sh- and what I should do mm-hmm. um, we were able to like make make a lot more progress so um, because before, yeah so when he took over I had it it was after 
nationals in 2017. And so um, he, uh, no, it was before nationals in 2017. It was provincials. It was out to provincials. So I hit, hit like an 802 kilo total, like yeah. way less than my best. I was like, I, thought I, I wasn't feeling good at all. My back did not feel, feel great. And then, um, so he took over and um, going to nationals, I mean, I hit, I don't even know what I hit, it's 830, I don't know, I, I, I just enough to beat Mick, like I beat him by a kilo on my last deadlift. Mm. Um, so, and then it was like all through the summer, I was like slowly getting better, like I did, did like three, four meets, no, I think it was three meets that summer before I got married. Holy shit, <laughs> three meets in one summer. Uh, yeah, so I got married. I got married July twenty second, and um, I, I had done a meet the weekend before. Wow! And like I competed like I the Toronto Pro Show, uh, did bench only and three lift. Yeah. And I think there might be enough. No, I did. And then the uh, then Chris Fudge's meet. I did like I did like yeah. It was three meets. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's three meets, four meets if you count bench only. Um, in the summer, and then it it was good because. I didn't push my deadlift until the meet. And then I got to see where my deadlift was going and like how I was feeling. And so by the time provincials rolled around, we were going to put up my biggest total ever with 900 kilos. And, um, and then that was like, but it took time to progress from yeah. provincials the year before to when I was able to like, you got a good understanding of what works, what doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, that's, there's, I mean, a good coach, it takes time to be able to figure that out. Like, you can't just, you don't want to make all these changes all at once. You have to make them incrementally, and it's, and that's, it's difficult. And that's probably what, like, people, like you were saying, don't have the patience. They don't realize, like, the first few blocks that you give an athlete and then you get back what numbers he's done, you're, like, collecting data yeah. and trying to figure it out. Like, what works? All right, you know what? This worked for you. might not work for the next guy. And you're moving pieces around. And when people expect, like, all right, eight weeks, I need to have seen a difference. Twelve weeks, I need to see a difference. When you're just really in the data collection phase, yeah. really, your relationship. And if you stick with somebody for a couple of years, that's when, all right, these work for you, these don't, singles are good, you know what, singles aren't good for you, whatever, right? Because yeah. the more people we have on here, the more I realize, like, everybody is completely different, man. We had um, Kevin Oak on here uh, last week, and he was saying, and him and Larry Wheels both do the same thing, the workup to one and wrap, and then do accessories after that, and that was it. Like, if they get squat and bench, they'll work up to an and wrap, one and wrap of squat or bench or dead, and then they're done, and they do accessories. I'm like, holy shit, for real? And he's like, yeah, well, Larry does it, but that's, that's the way a lot of us train. I was like, damn. And it's not always like an AMRAP of eight. They'll have an idea, they'll pick a weight where, and they're not gonna go right to failure, they'll like one before failure. Yeah. But say that they nine. won. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, 9.99, my friend. But um, say they want a triple, they'll put on a weight they think they could triple, work up the one triple, and it'd be done. It's like, damn. So anyway, the point is, and then you got, um, for instance, some people, in terms of deadlifts, pause, never pause. You should never pause a conventional. Or some people are like, yeah, fuck yeah, man. I do pauses all the time, do a lot of volume. Other people, other people are like, you should never do touch and go, it's cheating. And then you got other people like Jesse Norris or Jen Thompson, like some beasts who were like, 
touch and go volume fucking kings. And it's, um, so anyways, the point is, it's so across the board, like whatever works for you, that uh, like when you go to a coach, early goings, he's, he yeah. or she's trying to figure out, oh, figure yeah. you out. Yeah. And, and stimulate you with different things and be, and then collect the data. And sometimes, yeah, for sure, for sometimes sure. it'll be like, wow, that didn't work. And, but you gotta, you know, you can't just blame and be like, fucking them out. Yeah, I mean, if, you're, if someone's thinking about getting a coach, one thing that'd be really helpful is to actually track your workouts, all your volume, all your sets, before you go to a coach and give them that data so yeah. they have a starting point and like, so you're not like expecting the world of results in eight weeks when like, you like coach has no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And who else, if you were, if, if someone's looking for a coach, what are some of the things you think they should be looking at? Like, what do you think makes a good coach? Because sometimes, here's a couple things that are shocking. The best lifter isn't always the best coach. No, of course not. And, like, and not only that, coaches, this is what shocks people that aren't in the sport. Coaches get coaches when they, when they lift for the reasons you were saying, um, you know, like because they have an objective eye and they're not emotionally attached to certain numbers and yada, yada. But what do you think people should look for when they're looking for a coach? You know, look at like the, the athletes they've developed and the level, like, I guess the harder thing is to know when, like, when a coach took over and like how they progressed in that time. Mm. So like, I, anyone can take someone who's like brand new and bring them up to a, a reasonable level. But like, just cause they have like all these athletes, like they work with like hundred and something athletes and they all bring all, they're all like reasonable level. Does not mean that they're good at bringing someone from your level to the next level. Yeah. And so like, it's hard, it's really, it's hard to really tell because like it's just you just don't know so it's kind of got to go on like word of mouth of like from from someone like but it's like yeah like you say the best athlete doesn't necessarily need to be like is is the best coach and a lot of time they're just complete idiots yeah um but like (laughs) but at the same time I, i do think that like um that a coach should be able to train like train themselves and like but obviously, like some co- like coaches have coaches. But before that point, like when you were doing when you were doing your own thing, I mean, I think that's the case for like a lot of coaches. They kind of did their own thing for a while, and like they should be able to get to a reasonable level of strength themselves. They're able to progress. So I don't think like I don't think there's like a lot of like like a lot of um, a lot of people. Like almost anyone can get to like like a 400 wilts. Yeah. It might take a lot of time. But almost anyone can get there, and so you, you have to like be able to do that, like do that yourself. If you could bring yourself up to like a reasonable level, not necessarily four hundred wheels, but like anything reasonable, that kind of shows that like it's good. Because the thing is, like I said, like you can't really see all their all their athletes, so you got to kind of look at themselves, like the coach themselves as an athlete, because you can't really you can't see it all. Like unless you're talking like like Boris Shapo, I don't expect him to be doing like any kind of workout now, but like, this is his reputation of being a great coach is what it, what it was. Yeah. But like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing, I think, to like find a, a good coach. Like you try to, I guess, try to find what their programs look like. Like, do they give you a, like, like a spreadsheet with like, and you, like a little spreadsheet, everything's nice, or do they send you a Word document? Like, they, if you get a word document from your coach, they're not really putting in the effort that you deserve by paying them. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't take much time to 
put it into a spreadsheet so that the coach could then track everything because it's in a spreadsheet and you just sum up numbers. Whereas in a Word document, you're like, you can't track any metrics with yeah. a Word document. Yeah. Yeah. So you think basically, uh, I think that is like a good sign. Like in terms of uh, genetics, some people are genetically more inclined, etc. But progress is progress. So you could be like, what progress have you met? Um, and I do agree, like, if your coach isn't really pulling back any metrics from you, then are they really paying attention? You know, I mean, like, if you got a coach who's like, does your coach know what you're hitting? Does he know your numbers? Has he asked you for your numbers? If he's only asking you for money and giving you numbers and doesn't ask afterwards how shit's going, like, what numbers have you hit, report back, yeah. then, then really he's just collecting money, giving you templates. And they might be good templates, but they're not designed yeah, exactly. for you. There's only saying that what you're getting is bad. It's just like you're paying someone your hard-earned money. They should be paying attention to these, these like all this, all these details. Because otherwise, like, why are you giving them your money? Yeah, and I think like to an extent, what I'm starting to see now in the industry is like you have coaching that um, some of it's expensive as fuck. There are guys who are like 250 US a month, yeah. and you'll get consultation, whatever. And then on the flip side, there are the, um, here's a template, sure shit works. Me and all my buddies who are high caliber used it. So they're proven templates, but that's all you're gonna get. Don't bother me for one-on-ones. Flip side, it's way fucking cheaper. So then you kind of have that floating out there, I've noticed. And you'll post yeah. on people's Instagram and shit. And it's kind of, I mean, if you're, if you're telling yourself, look, I'm not, I'm probably not going to go to the IPF worlds or whatever. So I don't want to drop $250 US, but I want a template that's proven. It's a proven template. It's worked for a shitload of people, but I realize that's all I'm going to get, you know? Well, I guess the main, the main issue with that is that you, like the template, the template works, but like if you're. Your form is complete garbage. Everything's yeah. breaking down. You don't have a coach giving you the feedback on that. Yeah. Then you're gonna just run yourself into into the ground and like make mistakes mm-hmm. and like and getting hurt. And so that's I guess the thing is like the newer lifters probably should have the, that more like more involvement with their coach because they need that that form checks. They need to make sure everything's going right. They need to know when to be able to pull back because they just don't know yeah, all these things. So it's like it's like so it's just yeah. yeah. You know, you're right, you would think, yeah, you're right, maybe early goings is probably when you need it the most. Later on is when you kind of got a handle on things, and you're like, I don't need to check in nearly as much. Like I was talking to Brett Brett Gibbs, he says, talking to Mike T at this point, he very little check-in, you know, because he kind of has a handle on things. But on the flip side, like we had just said, when you buy a template, um, certain things work for certain people, certain things don't. You know, certain things just run you into the ground, and without a coach who's keeping track, how does he know Eric is an amazing deadlifter? And I still am not going to make him deadlift very often in, in, tra- in training, right? I'm just going to have him do singles every now and then. You wouldn't know that unless you're like having these conversations and bringing back the numbers and saying this is what Eric needs to, to perform at his best. Do you, yeah. do you, what do you feel about social media? What are your thoughts on social media? <laughs> no, you know, it's, it, I, don't, I, I mean, I'm very much, I, I don't like social media. I think I, it has its purposes, but it's gone like it's gone downhill. Like, I think it's a, it's just like a, like a, you just, it's an echo chamber. Like you, you only see what you want to see, you only hear what you want to hear, and like everyone, like a lot of time, like oh, someone's being critical. Like, say you post a video of you lifting, and someone's being critical, like saying these things. 
uh, and like then you blow up on them, get offended, so that you block them, and like now only people will say you look, you did this, they look great, great lift, so much, so much heart. It's like, man, like that was hideous. Yeah. So like it just becomes a giant echo chamber, and it, I don't think that's beneficial to anyone as like as an athlete because yeah. just being getting told you're great doesn't make you any better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like. Pick them by, like pick out the flaws, like find all those things, and like it's becoming a place where you can't say anything negative without being um, ripped into. Mm-hmm. Well, like not necessarily negative, anything critical, and like, yeah. you can't critique yeah. something without getting ripped into. To to an extent, this is like the offended era. Everybody's offended. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is like the the era where people are like, oh my god, that was offensive, and like more now than ever, man. You got people showing up at rallies. Like, like the, they say if they're on the left, and they're trying to shout down people. Like you can't, like, like not to get into too much. No, it's, it's here, the, but... the world's the world's a really messed up place. And it's just like, it's. I think like the internet connecting people that should never be connected together is part of the problem. Yeah. It's like some people just shouldn't shouldn't know that someone else like them exists because they're, they're, it's not right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, he, and, and obviously, you could. It's easier to form clicks and identify yourself certain ways and. I mean, that's, that's also like, the beauty of the, like, connecting everyone is that you can find people, but some people just should never be brought together. <laughs> Case in point, me and Matt. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing, it's like with social media and powerlifting, it, it is like a love-hate thing I got yeah. with it. I mean, it is like, uh, I mean, you get internet trolls who just sit around and that's what they do is just complain. And they, that's how they get attention is negative shit. Mm-hmm. It's like talking shit. And they, that's how they get the most views. And they're thinking like this is the only attention they're going to get because let's say they're not Eric Willis winning. So they got to do some negative shit, whether it's talking shit on people or doing these rants and they're saying controversial things just to get people talking. So this it's kind of and then you get attention that way. And it's kind of so there's that, but there's also the flip side where, um, like for instance, we can like powerlifting uh, and, and king of the list, you could build like a community where all of a sudden everybody knows we know Eric Willis' story now. We get to we get to meet Eric Willis. We get to meet like we just yesterday interviewed a guy from Sweden, the other side of the world, hear about him like he's actually totally yeah. So that's dude that's never dreams about everything. The internet, social media is connecting people. And I mean, powerlifting is like the perfect. Yeah. Sport for social media because watching powerlifting meet is like one of the most boring things you ever do. <laughs> you, you go to you go to meet like, like as a fa- like someone's family who's to meet they want to watch your nine lifts. You lift for like eight minutes, like, <laughs> not like like five minutes total, and they're there for four hours. Yeah. yeah. And it's like with social media, the platform is like you have your one minute videos. Yeah. And like that's the perfect thing yeah. for powerlifting and like. I think it's helped the sport get a lot more popular is because like people see it in that in that aspect. Like you use like the short clips that make it like your fifteen second lift. Yeah. It is like and um in terms of like social media, some of our power lifters have got like huge followings, like comparable to other mainstream sports yeah. even. And we're like, I mean it's just fucking powerlifting for guys. Yeah. Like you said, it's just powerlifting, but you got some people online who have an incredible amount of people following mm-hmm. me. I don't know what it is, but powerlifting is huge on, on Instagram. Even, like, I listen to people like Joe Rogan podcasts, and I, like the fighter and the kid, and those guys follow some guy and talk about 
like powerlifters doing like uh, shit on Instagram. And I don't, I'm not entirely sure what it is, yeah. but our sport and, and Instagram in particular like go hand in hand, man. No, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a lot of great things like that can come from it. Like it allows for the uh, spot people to get sponsorships because then like yeah. you are like directly like if you market yourself and you market the product, it's, yeah. it's easier for like yeah to get like nobody athletes and to uh, be like sponsors because people like people want to see their lifting, they want to know what they're taking, they want to know what stuff like what, like, what um what equipment they use, yeah. and so like there's yeah. a great avenue for like all the athletes to be able to get sponsored from that. And it helps hype the, in terms of making it more interesting to watch. When, for instance, like like back in the day, uh, well back in the day we didn't even really have live streams, but if, if back in the day when nobody knew who anyone was, okay, and there was no, you don't see them, we see these people every week. We hear like, when Brett Gibbs injured himself, you can fucking watch Brett Gibbs pull his hammy or quad, whatever it was, and everyone's talking about it and it's news and shit. As opposed to, um, some dude from New Zealand showed up and won this year, and I don't know. I've never seen these other guys. And yeah, that's it. it's, it's, it's it now, a lot more interesting. Yeah, you. We know people. So you actually have sports rivals. People are like, "Oh, I hate this guy. Oh, I love that guy. I'm a fan." And you actually give a shit. Mm -hmm. So when they show up at like the top five, like the battle of the 105s, everybody has saw their progress and were hyped up and like knew their stories. I would never know Christopher Becky from Poland or anything about him. Yeah. But when you see him hitting these numbers and then Bryce, Bryce Lewis and, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it, yes, that's like, it, like, Instagram is powerlifting's TSN. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like, it just, it gives, yeah, it gives the means, like, so people can follow up. And it's like, the, the thing is, it's all, like, yeah, all that, like, the bias of it, right? Because, like, you seeing what I post about what I do. Yeah. And like you could, I could post, I could choose what I post. Yeah. It's not like the other things, like another like media. I guess that, no, it's, it's probably the same. They just post what they want. They just say what they want to say. And but I know what you're saying, and this is also a good point too with social media. People like like in terms of um, if you when you have a good day, sure shit, you're gonna post it. But people don't see like the, yeah. the shitty days. People no, don't see right. like like if they would like people like you're taking three fifteen for eights. And people would think you would never do that. Yeah. I, listen, I've been guilty myself being like going to the gym, being like, I don't, I don't fucking, I don't uh, train with less than four plates aside on my squats now. And just telling myself stupid shit like yeah. that, where it's like, what? Who the fuck are you? No, <laughs> like, like if the day is three plates, it's three plates. Yeah. And it's actually, and you start getting like that because you watch other people on Instagram thinking, well, they don't. All uh, these guys are in, are in like the five hundreds for reps, so I can't. I have to not go below in the four hundreds, or else I'm just not keeping pace. When in reality, just like you said, I got news for you: the hundred and twenty kilo kingpin Eric Willis took three plates for eight. It's like there's there is. Yeah, it was it was Belvis Highlands. <laughs> <laughs> but what RP was it? Uh, yeah. probably, probably like six. Probably I, like, I, think like, I think it's the game that, yeah. I like how you threw that. It was boundless and it was high bar. But, um, but you know what I mean? Where, just like you said, where like you don't see people's off seasons. Mm -hmm. You don't see people's even shitty days. You don't see, you know what? If you actually say, like, oh, I'm having some bad days lately, got injured, got whatever, people actually troll them saying, you're always complaining, making excuses. Yeah. It's like, no, this is real life, though. Like, the person should say that because it's real. It's, it's, it's legit. 
And uh, it gives a, a warped sense of, of what training is if, if it's nothing but sunshine and roses, right? Yeah, and it's, I guess that's like that's the thing is it's really difficult for people to know what everyone else is doing. But like you assume that because I'm post a lot, it, they show they show you everything. But like no, this, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like you get like what th- like four or five minutes of video in a day. Yeah, yeah, and then that there's a there's like the twenty other the twenty three hours and like yeah fifty five I- minutes that you don't see. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, exactly. Just because you're posting doesn't mean too much. I've been in situations before where leading into a meet, the wheels start falling off because I like peaked early, got too excited, and started leaving my best in the gym. Well, next two weeks are gonna be fucking selfies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, you know, have to go the content, right? You gotta, that's uh, right. You gotta keep the, the uh, gotta keep content going. And that's that's the problem with all these like well not not necessarily the problem, but the thing with these like the big athletes who like. They're basically all they do is that they coach athletes and like they need to get their followings up and like if you don't, what do you post on your bad day? Yeah. What like what do you like what can you do like me like if I didn't if I don't want to post a video, I don't post a video. It's, it's yeah. like for two weeks don't post a video. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't affect my income stream. I I go to the office and design uh, yeah. hands all day. Like a lot of people are saying um, like. Uh, sitcoms now are dead and people well not totally dead but they're dying not like Seinfeld and all the rest of it in reality TV now you don't flip on TV and see as much reality TV the thing is who the fuck needs reality TV yeah. when you got Instagram I literally it's the same shit yeah. like what are you into you're never gonna find a reality TV show about powerlifters if that's what you're into you fucking hop on Instagram some people from like like their story Instagram story is like all day Every yeah. day, like, <laughs> like so, it, some of the guys, this is ridiculous. It's like, crazy. Like, the stories, like, it's all day. It's everything you've done, though. Some people yeah. are like, like, shit, man. You must. So when you're watching it, it makes me feel like if you were to hang out with this person, how often would they be grabbing their phone, be like, take a picture of me, yeah. and posting shit and talking to it <laughs> and doing, and it's like, holy shit, man. You are, yeah, you are so like, so like, living like and It's just like. They're like, you were walking around with like their camera. It's like, if I saw you on the street walking around the camera, I would laugh at you. Yeah. You look like an idiot. But this is like what they do on a daily basis, just video logging and like, but it's like, that's how they make their money. It's like, it's like so, some of them, and some of them, uh, like you got a decent, some of them will have a decent following with 25,000 people. And it's almost like, well, 25,000 people watch my little mini reality TV show. Yeah. Like it really feed into your mind though. Okay. So that's why like myself, um, I mean, I'm not knocking people who do it, if, if that's your shoe fits kick it, but for myself, like just reposting other people and doing interviews and shit like this, that's, that's pretty much enough for me. Mm. It's too much, man. It gets yeah, too much. Uh, man, some people are just so like, they, they get like, because if they have a few people following them, they think that they're like, like that they're like, the center of the universe. And it's like, it's weird things like, someone like posts like, yeah, new high, got like, 50, uh, 50, like, votes on my thing. It's like, 50 votes? Like, that's, that's nothing. Like, 50 people have voted on it. It's like, there's, like, millions of people on Instagram. And, yeah. 50, and like, they're all excited about getting 50. It's like, hey, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. have your expectations a little bit there, buddy. It gets, it gets, like, addictive, you know, when you start, like, if you start picking up a little bit, I mean, that's why it's kind of refreshing. Like you're an IPF world champion. If you want to start milking this and start posting a bunch or whatever, 
this would really be the time, right? Yeah. Well, I think I missed the boat. It's, the World Championships were a month ago, so no one cares anymore. <laughs> Already? You're, you're June's news, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. No kidding. So uh, we're, we're, uh, we're at like an hour and 40 minutes here. We could probably keep going all day because it's an easy conversation. But one, one um, question I always ask everybody whenever we have them on, um, when all this is said and done, how do you want to be remembered? Just some dude who lifted weights and drank beer. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say it drank beer. No, no, the, the great thing about like the, uh, the CPU right now, like coming up is – Everything's in Ottawa. So I, I can go to all these events and drink my beer and not have to worry about anything. <laughs> this is true. Centrals, provincials, nationals, yeah. shit, man. Everything's in Ottawa lately. What would, yeah. you, what would you change if you could change something? Change the what? Uh, powerlifting or the federation or anything like that. I don't know. It's, they're, they're, um, I think right now there's a lot of just like there's internal like struggles that like just seem like they're like just people just need to let things go. And I think like if everyone just realized like this is only powerlifting, it's it's not like we're not changing the world, we're not like, we're not doing yeah. anything crazy. It's it's just powerlifting. Like we just go to the gym and lift weights. We go to competitions and lift weights. Like like don't like I think people need to just temper their egos. I think that's one thing that people like. Because of all the social media and everything, everyone's ego started getting a lot bigger. They thought they were things that are like way more important than they are. Like, just just be humble, just be, be nice to people, and I think everything probably could be get a lot better from from that. Good advice, champ. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Love to have you back again, and uh, good luck with your training. Thanks, you guys too. See you later, buddy. See you, man. See ya. I knew that'd be a pretty good conversation. Yeah. And I often did he mention drinking beer. <laughs> he literally had a beer in his hand for the whole conversation. But uh, God, I think he was talking about that when we were um, out back in yeah. the warm-up room. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can, I can need a beer. Yeah. Did he ever, did he, did he, was it him who said he had ever lifted drunk? Competed drunk. I or feel like he said he wanted to. Maybe he wanted to. I would not be shocked to shit to hear he did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. But that was a pretty good conversation. Yeah. I know we're approaching 4 o'clock. I know that you got to bounce. But, uh, yeah, thanks for doing it, my yeah, friend. Man. Much thanks appreciated. Well. we'll have you back. And, uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Make sure, I mean, share it, like it, tell your friends. we got to keep this going and get as many followers as possible uh, to give people like Eric Willis a voice. I mean, some of these guys... They're, if they're not big on social media themselves, but they are like good characters. Yeah, they are like yeah. good ambassadors and totally different. I mean, the last, um, the kid from Sweden, we had just, Gustav from Sweden. I was like, do you drink? He's 23 years old. Do you drink? Uh, I had like two drinks New Year's Eve. That was the last time. Yeah. Whereas then we got our boy yeah. Willis drinking beers while he's talking. Yeah. It's like, we have so many different people from all across the world, different personalities yeah, exactly. and shit. And you wouldn't know, like, and some of them have amazing stories and you can like, identify with them and and that's how our sport's gonna grow yeah, exactly. is telling people their stories and then when the world champions come around you'll be like let's fucking eric willis yeah. he's, he's <laughs> hilarious oh fuck i hope he wants this guy's got a big heart no exactly. he's a big guy like you'd be a hard guy not to root for yeah but uh but anyways thanks for tuning in everybody till next time peace